From the heartland of America and the gateway to the West, good morning, good evening, wherever you may be across the nation, around the world. I'm George Norrie. This is Coast to Coast AM. Later tonight, the psychic world. Here's what's happening. This is a bizarre story. The number of missing and runaway children in Ohio for this year is nearly double that of states with similar populations, sparking panic among parents and police who in some towns can't keep up with the number of teenagers that they say could be running away. In this month alone, 45 children have been reported missing in the Cleveland area. They join the total of 1,072 who have been reported missing since the start of the year. Just unbelievable. Weird. The Federal Trade Commission and 17 states' attorney generals have filed a lawsuit against Amazon, accusing the company of illegally maintaining its monopoly power. As a result of its position in the marketplace, the company has allegedly driven up prices, overcharged sellers, and stifles competition, according to the FTC. Catherine Austin Fitz is with us here. Catherine, isn't this just pure marketing on uh, Amazon's part? What's going on? Well, um, Amazon has conflict of interest between it's, it's allowing sellers onto its marketplace, but then it's competing directly with them. And so there are many different issues involving, uh, you know, sort of the competition between them two. Now, here's what's interesting. You have the FTC bringing the case along with 17 attorney generals. And a very similar case was brought by California, which is not a party to, uh, it's not one of the 17 states. So they went independently a year earlier. And so you have uh, an interesting combination of both federal and and state powers or enforcement going after Amazon. If you read the complaint, George, there are two very interesting things. One is that it implies that it would ask for a structural relief, which means a breakup of Amazon. So if you remember the breakup of AT&T or the push to break up Microsoft, you know, they are going for a complete restructuring of the company. So that's pretty interesting when you have that many state AGs. The other thing is if you look at the complaint, an enormous amount of it is redacted, so you can't read it. And I don't know enough about uh, antitrust law to know sort of why that would be so when you have a government agency bringing a, you know, a, a complaint on behalf of taxpayers. So um, big questions about what the legal issues are here. The other thing that's very interesting about this is if you look at what gives Amazon its most clout as a company – is the fact that it has an enormous amount of federal contracts. It has the lead contract for the CIA and the 17 intelligence agencies and just won a big piece of the DOD contract. So if you look at how much the federal government is putting into Amazon coffers and the clout it gives Amazon, you know, you have, you know, you have the main part of the government, you know, putting Amazon in a, in a position of great clout within the marketplace, whereas this part of the, Government is saying, well, that's a problem. So there's a there's a bit of a multiple personality disorder going on in the federal government in terms of anointing Amazon with tremendous power and its cloud with tremendous power, and then you know coming back on its retail marketing. I, I would point out if you look at how many of the big banks that Amazon probably provides cloud services for, I think there's a real there is a tremendous argument. Uh, for the structural relief issue. So this could get interesting, and I, it's too new and too early to see how 
you know, how, how seriously the courts take it. They filed out in Washington right in Amazon's old home base. So so this is going to be a very interesting case. Let's keep our eyes on this one, Catherine. Amazing story. The U.S. House and Senate plan to take sharply different paths in a high-stakes spending battle with just five days remaining until a deadline that could force wide swaths of the government to shut down for the fourth time in a decade. Let's check in with online columnist Dr. John Curtis. Are they going to shut the country down again, John? It sure looks that way. And I think as, you know, all the optimists out there are thinking that somehow there's going to be some last-ditch last rescue here, I think is a little unrealistic. First of all, the House, you know, um, is really putting a lot of pressure on McCarthy right now, you know, House Speaker McCarthy, yeah. uh, to meet with Biden, which is a non-starter, George. Biden has not been available to any of the House members to negotiate about anything. So it's, it's been a one-sided negotiation, essentially the White House thing. You either take it without restrictions or leave it. And I think, you know, the government, you know, the Republicans right now, I know Mark McCarthy's kind of, you know, sitting on a fence a little bit, or it appears that way, but he really isn't. Because, you know, the chances of him coming out with a, a deal with Biden or Slim and not, first of all, they don't want you know, to fund this Ukraine war any longer. And that's not going to happen because there are too many uh, Republicans and Democrats in the House that want to spend, that want to fund the war. The other thing is border security. The Republicans want something in on border security, not just Ukraine war funding. So I think the parties are too far off right now and a shutdown is going to force them all uh, with a lot of pressure in order to make some concessions on not just a, you know, the continuing budget resolution, which the Republican side does not want. They want an actual yearly spending bill. And with a $33 trillion um, national debt and a $1.6 trillion uh, annual federal budget deficit right now, uh, the government and the, the Democrats are not uh, focused on reality at all as to what's happening. And Republicans want to see some kind of fiscal restraint. Well, here we go. Dr. John Curtis, onlinecolonist.com. Will they shut the government down? We shall see. The formation of a new supercontinent could wipe out humans and all other mammals still alive in 250 million years, according to researchers. Using the first-ever supercomputer climate models for the distant future, scientists from the University of Bristol in the United Kingdom predicted how climate extremes would intensify after the world's continents merged to form one supercontinent, Pangaea Ultima, they call it, in around 250 million years, something that uh, you folks don't have to worry about. They found it would be extremely hot, dry, virtually uninhabitable for humans and mammals, who are not evolved to cope with prolonged exposure to excessive heat. In a moment, Ellie Marzulli back with us, his latest work on cattle mutilations coming up, and take a look at the trailer that we've got right under his story headline. You will love it. He's next on Coast to Coast AM. 
And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you, L.A. Marzulli, back with us, author, lecturer, filmmaker. He has penned many books, including the Nephilim Trilogy, received an honorary doctorate for the series from the Pacific International University. L.A. has lectured on the subjects of UFOs, the Nephilim, the ancient prophetic texts, presenting his incredible research at conferences and churches, as well as appearances and interviews on media outlets worldwide. His latest film he's working on, it's called Cattle Mutilations, The Calling Card of Darkness. We have a trailer of that at coasttocoastam.com. L.A., welcome back, my friend. How are you? I'm great, George. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Boy, more work for you. Cattle Mutilations. Tell me what steered you into that direction. Well, we just, you know, it's, it's a, uh, right now it's a seven-part series. Uh, it'll be nine parts. I think when we're done, we're trying to get all nine out before the end of the year. Uh, number seven is on the Roswell. There's actually two two films on that, Roswell 1, Roswell 2. We were up in Montana uh, visiting um, Linda Marcel, Jesse Marcel's widow. So it's, it's, it's kind of a unique angle, um, Roswell 1 anyway. And we also went to the debris field, but I'm getting way ahead of myself. So, you know, I know Chuck Zukowski from the Watchers days, and we finally flew into Colorado, met with Chuck. Chuck sort of acted as a producer. He had people that we could um, basically interview. I remember, and this goes back, you know, decades, literally. Uh, I was at a UFO conference in the 90s. Lyndon Moulton Howe had just come out with Strange Harvest. I bought the DVD. I, I'm not sure whether Linda was there or not. She might have been. Um, I, I want to say she was. But at any rate, I got the DVD. I came home put the thing in, and I got to tell you, I could. this is in the early days. I watched 10 minutes of it and turned it off and went, oh, my gosh, what is going on here? And then I would wait a couple of days, watch, you know, another 10 minutes of it, 15 minutes of it, turn it off. It was so disturbing. There was nothing in my grid system to handle the information. This was all, you've got to be kidding me. It's not predators. It's not, what are we looking at here? And so I knew that in, in our series, which, again, is nine parts, that we had to tackle the cattle mutilation phenomena, and we do. Um, hats off to my business partner, Gil Zimmerman, who now has teamed up. Gil and I have worked with, on six films, uh, basically, specifically, with this series. And uh, Gil's great. We work on the editing together, and Gil is a director of cinematography. He was actually at Disney and DreamWorks for 30 years, so this guy is... Uh, is an A player, as it were, and we're just, you know, proud to have him with us. And, and I look at him sometimes and go, what are you doing with me? But it's great. He's a great guy, and uh, we have a lot of fun together out on the road. But this this was the darkest film I've ever been involved in, hands down. Well, when uh, when Linda Moulton Howe jumps into a topic, and she's a great journalist, yeah, she, she she digs her way into it big time, and she is very factual with what she does. Very much so. So I can only believe that this cattle mutilations film you've done has got that same kind of quality behind it. Well, that, that's a real compliment. I would like to think so. Chuck Zukowski, of course, was uh, paramount in this whole thing. Chuck is Mr. Cattle Mutilation in some ways. He's been out, and he was able to hook us up with other people. But um, it's it's a very disturbing phenomenon, George, and uh, it's been going on for decades. Even you could go back a hundred years, 150 years, and you start to see reports of these things. So something 
very bizarre, very strange to quote Linda's work, Strange Harvest. There is a strange, very strange harvest that is going on and continues. Just just recently, several months ago, I'm sure you knew about it, Coast probably had it up on, on the banner. There were cattle mutilations, six cattle Six, six cattle were mutilated in Texas, yep. tongues cored out, sex organs cored out, and law officials can't, can't bring anybody. They don't know what's going on. And uh, this, is, this is why we have to make the film, because in my opinion, it's uh, inexorably tied in to the UFO phenomenon. And to those of who are brand new to the field of ufology, L.A., mm-hmm. explain cattle mutilations and what the overall scope is of this phenomenon. There was an article I wrote for Property Watchers magazine, and I, it was a, a little fictional account. So a rancher, I'll just do it sort of tongue-in-cheek here. A rancher goes out and looks at his, his head of cattle, and maybe he's got 150 head in a huge pasture, and everything is good. He's, he's got his pickup truck out there or his forerunner, and he's putting them down for the night. What I mean by that, just checking on them, making sure they're good, Nothing, nothing's going on. He sees some lights in the sky which are kind of bizarre, not sure what he's looking at there, but he kind of, he just kind of shrugs it off. There's really nothing to look at, and, but they work kind of strange lights. But, uh, okay, maybe it's swamp gas or something. And he looks at the herd, and the herd's quiet, and everything's good. He goes back in, uh, gets dinner, goes to sleep. Next morning, he gets out, checks on the herd. The herd is moved to one corner of the field, and there, near him, is a cow laying, laying down. It looks like it's dead. He gets out, opens up the gate, walks into the field, realizes that, you know, the cow has been mutilated. Uh, the tongue is gone. The eye is gone. The sex organs are cored out. The, the animal is ripped open, but surgically done. Not, not like a coyote or a... Right. Not like it was attacked. It's precision. No, nothing like that. It's, all these cuts are done with surgical precision, and there's absolutely no blood in the animal at all. And he's never seen one, doesn't know what he's looking at, He's terrified. He's absolutely terrified. He goes out and gets his wife and his kids. They come look at it. Now they're fearful. And it just it's a trickle-down uh, thing from there. But cattle mutilations have been going on. Different parts are taken. Pretty much across the board, all the blood is drained from the animal. We're talking six gallons of blood. So if there's a predator, where where does the blood go, number one? Number two, the coyotes and the vultures and all the scavengers never get near the carcass. They just leave it alone. So something really strange, there's a strange harvest again, something bizarre and strange and very unsettling is going on. And whoever does it, does it with impunity and does it with great deliberation. By placing that animal back in the farmer's field, that in rancher's field, that, in my opinion, is very, very deliberate. Is it scary, or is it there? Is there a science behind the mutilations? Well, there's a science behind it because all the blood is drained. Different different pieces of the animal, different parts of the animal are taken. It can be the lungs. It can be the heart. Uh, most of the time, it's the sex organs: the tongue, the eye, the ear. Uh, the jaws completely stripped the flesh. It's grisly. It's bizarre. I've never seen one live. I've got tons. Of, I've got pictures right next to me. People have sent them in. Some of these things are from the 60s and the 70s. Of course, Chuck Sikowski, once again, thank you, Chuck, for uh, giving us footage and film and drone footage and hooking us up with the people that we spoke to who uh, had mutilations. And, and they're, 
the people that I talk to are, are very unsettled by it. Uh, Rancher Miller, for instance, he's had 16 cows mutilated uh, since he was a rancher. And, it's, of course, the first one is incredibly unsettling. After 16, you're not used to it by any means. It's still very unsettling. Right. But there's a familiarity with it, at least. That, oh, here's another one. And uh, after 16 of them, it, it's... There's one... I remember seeing this on UFO Hunters a while back when the show was on. There was one, one rancher that they interviewed, and this guy kept getting hit. He was terrified. He was absolutely terrified. Because something comes in and removes the cow does this, desecrates the cow, and then places that animal back in the pasture. Again, it's deliberate. Whoever, whoever does this, and I think we know who's doing it, moves with impunity, does so with impunity. Law enforcement has never, ever in decades brought anyone to justice at all. It's not a satanic cult. It's not a prank. These cuts are done with surgical precision. How, how does that happen? And there are no human footprints around or anything like that. No, yeah, there's no animal footprints, no signs of struggle, nothing, nothing like that at all. No human footprints, the, you, nothing where it shows the animal is, is thrashing about, animals placed there, um, and, and, and the farmer comes out, rancher comes out and sees the animal, and the rest is history. Calls the veterinarian, vet has no answers, law enforcement has no answers. We have answers. Uh, this is again. It's the darkest. I'd be in my studio here, and, and 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 Tom was asking me, "Are you back on the land?" Yeah, we've been back for two years. This December, it'll be five years since we lost everything in the house fire in the Woodley fire. There was like I think upwards of two thousand people last time I checked that had lost their homes. So it was devastating. But I I would sit in my studio here, and I would I would work on the editing. And let me back up. When we filmed this, I figured, you know, I have this. We filmed it in May. Of this year, and I said, I'll have this thing out in June. We didn't get it out till August, and there's a reason for it because there was weird stuff happening in in the edit process, like entire files would go missing, which I've never seen before. Uh, when we would do a render, Gil and I would sit there and we'd do a render, and we'd wait a couple hours, come back and look at the render to check it to send it off of a duplicator, and the images. Some would be there, some wouldn't be there. We were on with tech support. But when I was editing it by myself, getting a timeline, getting things kind of ready to have Gil come down and, and give it give it a second thought, second set of eyes, whatever, uh, I'd work on it for like an hour, and then I'd have to get out of the studio. I'd go out, put around in my garden, go down to the beach, do a run, I mean, anything. Sit in the sun just to get away from it. It's the darkest film I've ever worked on. Very disturbing uh, it's certainly not for anyone. There, there's a warning that we show in the beginning of the film. And I'm not hyping here, George. I'm really not. This isn't a hype to get people to buy the film. Trust me. It's a, there's no happy ending. There's no, there's no release. In other words, when you watch it, most people, when they watch a film, there's, there's a curve. And, and somewhere in that curve, there's a release. There's, okay, we can handle this. There's things flip. The there's a happy ending, but no happy ending here. There's no happy ending. There's no, uh, you don't sit there and go, wow, I'm really glad I watched that film. You sit there and you go, oh, my gosh, what have I gotten myself into? Because it, it's like looking, to quote the late Russ Dizdar, it's like looking in the Hell's Kitchen. It's, it's that disturbing.
We're going to take a short break, L.A., and come back and talk more about your film, Cattle Mutilations, The Calling Card of Darkness. And it is dark, no question about that. And we'll take calls with L.A. next hour. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you along with L.A. Marzulli. His uh, latest film is called Cattle Mutilations. We've got the trailer up at coasttocoastam.com right under the introduction to L.A., so go take a look at that. L.A., do we know how long cattle mutilations, this phenomenon, has been going on? Is it recorded anywhere? Yeah, Chuck had a, um, a report from the 19th century, from the 1800s. So it goes back. Native Americans talk about certain things like that. Uh, it, it definitely goes back a ways. Uh, it really came to the forefront with Snippy the Horse. The horse's name was actually Lady. In some ways, it's ground zero for the uh, cattle mutilations in modernity in the present present time. But they go back before Snippy. But Snippy was a horse in Alamosa and uh, Alamosa. And um, we actually went to uh, UFO Watchtower uh, right near Alamosa, and we saw the skeleton of Snippy, and we interviewed Judy Messaline, who is the owner of the skeleton, and she knows everything about this thing. She also, on camera, told us about a gentleman who was there when they performed an necropsy on Snippy, and when they opened her up, there was no brain in the skull. Oh, my God. Yeah, how is that possible? That's bizarre. Yeah, it's completely bizarre. Uh, Same thing, they opened up the chest cavity. uh, The lungs were gone. The heart were gone. So we get this strange harvest, to use Linda Moulton House terminology. It's it's grisly. It's unprecedented. It's bizarre. Something is going on. And it it ties into, uh, in my opinion, the, the UFO phenomenon. In your opinion... If it's tied into the ET UFO phenomenon, what are they doing? What do you think they they are doing? I'll tell you something, and and you would know because you're you're like a, uh, the the center. Everything sort of comes into coast. Let's face it. With, with this, you would know more than I. Um, and I'll I'll drop this on you. I've never heard anybody else talk about it. I can't believe we're the first people to to put the Connect the dots. Let's put it that way. We know in the abduction phenomenon, we know that it's real. Not because Elliot Marzulli states it, because Brett Baer on Fox News talked about it. So this is, it's out in the open. We know from books like Taken, uh, Whitley Strieber's work, John Mack, uh, Dr. David Jacobs. I mean, we know people are taken from, from our own film on abductions. Women are taken, they become pregnant. Here's the kicker. Uh, Dr. Jacob, David Jacobs believes, as I do, that there's a very nefarious agenda going on here. So the classic abduction phenomenon is a woman is taken. That's called kidnapping, by the way. She's raped because it's, it's never consensual. She finds herself pregnant, but there is screen memory. So she doesn't, she knows she's pregnant, but she believes it's her husband. So you know, they kind of rejoice. And uh, in the third month of pregnancy, the woman is then taken aboard again, and the entity, the hybrid entity, which is in her womb, uh, is taken from her. Now, that's classic abduction stuff. Absolutely. But, but here's, here's where it, we have a different twist. We know, 
we know this, that in modernity, in the present day, right where we are, they, the powers that be, the medical association and, and others are creating artificial wounds. We know that. We also know that cow blood, bovine blood, can be used in transfusion, in human transfusions. It's been certified by the FDA. You can go online, you can check that. I'm making this stuff up. So cow's blood can be used in human transfusions. So when you, we connect the dots, all right, you've got a woman who is pregnant, and this is classic. She's re-abducted in the third month of pregnancy. That, that hybrid child, if I can use that term, is taken from her. It needs some place to come into full maturity. Can't survive outside the womb. They, ET, whatever you want to call these entities, and the nefarious agenda, in my opinion, are creating artificial wombs from the materials that they get from the, from the cows or whatever. The blood can be used in the transfusions. They are creating artificial womb. This entity taken from the, the human female is then transferred into this artificial womb where it grows into maturity. And then you get the hybrids. And I think one of the keys to all of this is what you've just said, the missing blood. Mm-hmm. Truly remarkable. You uh, interviewed a rancher who lost 16 head of cattle. 16 head of cattle. And, and in the film, I ask him, I, 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 I kind of put him on the spot. Uh, and I go, let me ask you, Rancher Miller, is this is this a good thing? And he goes, well, what do you mean? And I go, well, it's... It, are you glad when they mutilate a cow? He goes, absolutely not. I say, what is the fear factor here from one to 10? And he kind of thinks about it and shuffles a little bit and looks right at me and goes, it's about an eight, which, which probably means it's more like a 10. But he says, it's about an eight. You get kind of used to it, but it's about an eight. And I, and I said, well, how, again, this is all in the film. How, how, do, you, how do you deal with this? You're terrified. Your wife's terrified. The veterinarian comes out. He's he's terrified. You're looking at something which is grisly, which is unnatural, which is supernatural, paranormal, whatever whatever words you want to put on it. It's incredibly unsettling. Also, which we found really bizarre, this guy lives out in the middle of nowhere. He's got like a thousand acres or something. Okay, in front of his house, there's a stretch of road, George, and it's dead straight. It's not dead man's curve. It's dead straight. There's, there's, no, there's no movement at all. There's no turn. It's a two-lane country road. There's never hardly anybody on it. I walked it. We filmed it. There's been 12 fatalities there since that rancher was there. 12. 12? 12 fatalities within a mile stretch. Within a mile stretch. And we just, when I found that out, I just went, oh, my gosh. What are we looking at here? What's going on? And what's amazing is the ranch right next door to Rancher Miller's, no cow mutilations. It's all there, right there on his ranch, 16 head. Very strange. What does law enforcement say about any of this, L.A.? Well, they come out, they look at it, and, and some of these guys will, you know, hem and haul. Well, maybe it's a satanic cult. It's not a satanic cult. Uh, you know, maybe it's predators, and no, it's not a predator because the scavengers won't touch it. The, the cuts are done with George. I can't, 
I can't emphasize this enough, the cuts are done with surgical precision. It's not some guy out there with a hunting knife. No, this is, this is like a degreed surgeon doing these things. It, it is. It is unbelievable. Uh, it, it's very disturbing. So law enforcement comes out, looks at it, writes up a report, takes a bunch of pictures, goes back in. Now it's at the point uh, where some ranchers won't even report it. We show this in the film. Some ranch, it's it's such, so commonplace that ranchers just don't want the, the publicity. They don't want to get involved with law enforcement or the, the, the local vet or any of this stuff. So they just they don't report it. But it's ongoing and has been ongoing. And that's why we think it is used in the breeding program. It is used to create artificial wounds for the hybrids. Paraphrase from the Bible, Daniel 2, 43. It is, and you remember, this is written 2,500 years ago. And this is why the guidebook of the supernatural is so important, because it gives us a window into what to expect. It's it's not, it, it doesn't give us, you know, bullet point by bullet point, but in some ways it does do that. But these are prophetic words. And this this messenger, which appears to Daniel, states this. Hey, Dan, I'm paraphrasing. Seal up the words in this book. In other words, what I'm telling you to write. But seal it up, because people aren't going to understand it. Then he gives us what I call a supernatural clue. Men and women will run to and fro over the face of the earth, and knowledge will increase. So until the time of the end. He says, seal up the words until the time of the end. And then he tells us what the time of the end looks like. You know, knowledge will increase. Men and women will run to and fro over the face of the earth. Well, 2,500 years ago, no one was running to and fro over the face of the earth. Welcome to the advent of the airplane. As we're speaking, men and women are flying to and fro over the face of the earth as we speak. Knowledge increases now exponentially. We're in the window of time where the book is unsealed, in my opinion. And other uh, biblical scholars would concur on that. There's a a phrase which is very disturbing, but pregnant with meaning. And it says this, Daniel 2, chapter 2, verse 43. They will mingle their seed with the seed of men, but they will not cleave to them. The word cleave is what we get way back in Genesis. A man will leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife. It's a marriage contract is what this is. There's no marriage contract here. No marriage contract. And who are they? Their seed will mingle with the seed of men. Well, it's not men, certainly not animals. So who are we talking about here? I call that a supernatural clue because this is exactly what's going on. There's a mingling of the seed. There's a book we're publishing. The author's name is Karen Wilkinson. Uh, she is sort of a tentpole in our number four film on abduction. She was abducted at a very young age. We're talking five, six years old, uh, impregnated by them three different times, George. And she's, that's why she wrote the book, Stolen Seed, Evil Harvest. It, it's, we've, we're just about to release it. So it's a fascinating uh, inside view of what is going on here. And that's why she calls it Stolen Seed, because they – She's kidnapped because that's what it is, raped because that's what it is, and then the child is taken from her. The entity is taken from her. She's, she's been on board the ship. She learned to fly the ships. She's seen the hybrids. She's seen the grays. She's seen the handle. The whole nine yards. That's why it's so 
the book is will be a must read for ufologists because it's really an inside look as uh, to what's going on, what the end game is, and how she got out of it, how she finally was able to stop the abductions. But the, the countermutilation phenomenon is ongoing. It, it's not stopping. It's part of the breeding program. It ties back into ancient prophetic text, Daniel 2.43, the mingling of the seed, which is exactly what we see. It's exactly what we see. Their seed is mingling with the seed of men. Who are they? Who are they? This goes back to even further. It goes all the way back to Genesis 3.15, where we see that the seed of the dragon is at war with the seed of the woman. I mean, that sets up the rest of the biblical prophetic narrative, or what I prefer to call it, the guidebook of the supernatural, because that's really what it is. So we've got these ancient prophetic texts that are warning us of the mingling of the seed, and then we see it uh, happening in modernity. We see exactly that, I mean, to the nines, happening right now in modernity, and hybrids are walking amongst us. There's no doubt about that. L.A., prior to the mutilations occurring, does anybody report seeing UFOs or lights or anything in the areas? Absolutely. Usually a rancher uh, isn't sure what he's looking at. Uh, the lights will dart around, maybe an orb or something, and kind of catches his eye, and what the heck is that? But they shrug it off because they're not schooled like like yourself or myself. They haven't traveled in this, uh, specifically on the first first one. What the heck just happened? And and sometimes it's multiple uh, mutilations in one rancher, like like Rancher Miller, 16 head of cattle over the years. Unbelievable. It's basically one every couple of years. Um, they do see lights. Miller talks about he's had other stuff happen. Uh, on the ranch where this this like sphere and orb came into the room, passed over him. Uh, when it happened, the next morning he woke up and he couldn't walk. Couldn't walk. And then he finally, they got him to the doctor and they, whatever happened, it wore off and he was okay. So it's, once again, it's high strangeness. There's no doubt about it. But it, there's nothing, I can't stress this enough. Uh, it's the calling card of darkness because Whoever does this, does it deliberately. What I mean by that is the rancher comes out, he sees it, he's terrified. Mm -hmm. Fear factors in eight. Gets his wife and kids, they come out, and maybe the kids are teenagers. They see it, they go into school, they're freaked out, they tell their classmates, maybe a couple of classmates comes over, they look at the thing, they're freaked out. He calls the, the veterinarian, he comes out, he's never seen anything like it, probing around the animal, looks at the surgical precision, can't figure out why the blood is drained, no signs of a struggle, the animal's perfectly healthy, doesn't acropsy on it, um, he can't figure out what's going on, law enforcement comes out, they take a bunch of pictures, finally a newspaper guy comes out, and he writes a story on it, takes a couple of pictures, it's in the paper, and fear, 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 and the circle just gets bigger and bigger with fear. The calling card of darkness, the dragon's calling card is always one of fear. That, that's, his, that's his deal. That's his deal. And as I said to Chuck Zikowski, I said, you know, why, why not just, uh, if these are benevolent space brothers, okay, maybe they need this for food or something, whatever. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Why not just take the carcass and dump you, you got a ship that can travel, you know, jump through space. You know, so dump it in a lake someplace. 500 miles away or dump it in the ocean. No, 
They place it back in the farmer's field. It's deliberate, in my opinion. Absolutely deliberate. There, there's one there's one scenario in the film where I talk to Chuck, and I go, well, let me ask something, Chuck. You know, Hold on, L.A., right there. We'll talk about that scenario and take calls when we come right back on Coast to Coast AM.